So before we get into this DFS slate, it was announced on Wednesday that the NFL and the NFL Players Association was going to be partnering with Dapper Labs, the brilliant minds that brought you NBA Top Shot. How how do you feel about this? I I think this was easy to predict. You know, we saw this coming. We we saw that NBA Top Shot kind of blew up and they've generated a bunch of money. So it it was very predictable that something like that was going to happen with the NFL, which is the number one sport in the United States by far. So interesting to see how all of this plays out and what the market will be like for NFL moments. But I'll still take my stance that I did with NBA Top Shot in that personally, it just doesn't interest me. Like I, I know that a lot of people are just looking at it as a way to make money, which is cool or whatever. But like I could care less to sit in line and open up digital packs and do all this random bullshit. So I probably won't invest anything or if I do, it'll probably be, you know, a small amount of money, but it, it just doesn't interest me at all. So I'll probably stay away. Maybe that's a dumb donkey take, but <laughs> that might, I mean, might for the, be. for the money probably, but like I said, I just don't care enough to to go and grind packs and resell and do all this other bullshit i mean i respect that take i'm right on the opposite though i'm ready to go homeless trying to cop these packs <laughs> like just looking at the numbers I, I mean i would say that we were dead wrong about top shot you know they netted 780 million dollars since launch and that was what like a year and a half ago the nfl generates roughly 33 percent more revenue annually than the nba so i think in this market we're talking about a billion dollar product with a lot more popularity just for the fact that the NFL is so much more popular than the NBA. Like, you know, the way that these packs work, it's like free EV. You don't even have to open them. I think that opening them actually is like negative EV. You just flip. It's a, it's a little little pump and dump. Yeah, but the, the moments, I think, in the long run would be worth more than the packs, but it's probably a slim chance that you'll get a moment that is worth a lot of money out of a pack, I'm assuming. You know, I don't really know much, so mm-hmm. I don't want to like speak on anything I don't know about, but that's how I would assume. So I guess, you know, you could hold on to packs and I don't think the packs cost that much money. So I guess it would be buy packs and then flip them for some profit. But yeah, man, I, I, I think there will be a ton of money to be made, but it's like stuff like this, in my opinion, favors people with a bunch of money already. Obviously, some people that are like me and, and don't have a lot of money might get lucky and might run into, you know, opening a pack and, and then they get like a hundred thousand dollar moment, like a one of one rare. One of one butt fumble. One of one helmet. <laughs> the catch. chances of that happening are just so rare that most of the people like me that are gonna get into it are probably gonna end up losing money in the long run or not making, you know, a lot of money. And then they'll see everybody else on Twitter, on NFT Twitter, on fantasy Twitter making, you know, fifty thousand, one hundred thousand dollars just because they already have that capital to spend on these top moments and then flip them, you know, for high dollar amounts. So that's kind of just where I, I Come, I'm coming from. I, I just feel like it's something where you already need to have a lot of capital to really make it mm. worth the time and effort that you're going to have to put into it. But I could be wrong. Time will tell. I know for one that I am on the waiting list and uh, I would suggest other people get on there as well. What's 
going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 166 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hoffer, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down week four in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective. We'll be talking slate specifics, what the Vegas lines are telling us about the week, talk some chalk leverage, stacks, long shots, everything you need to know to have a chance at banking a tournament on DraftKings in week four. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open, available, and free to join. The link to do so is in the description to the podcast. Joey, how's it going, buddy? Back from vacation, ready to grind? Yeah, man, I'm I was born ready, you know. I'm I'm ready to get into it, talk about this week four slate, and hopefully maybe try and finally win a tournament. Gonna kinda focus on on that this week. You know, just just wanna win one, man. Like cashing is is cool and all for two hundred dollars, but I just wanna be able to, you know, post that screenshot on Twitter of me winning thousands of dollars. Mm. But it's hard, man. It's hard. No, this is the week. You got to speak that into existence. That's that's facts. That's facts. All right. Well, let's get into it. And we can start off with slate specifics. As always, we've got a 13-game main slate on DraftKings, nine games early, four games in the afternoon. Same as last week, five games with Vegas totals of 50 or above. Top five implied team totals as it stands right now on Wednesday. We've got Buffalo leading things off with 31.25, KC 31, Rams 29.75, Dallas 27.75, and San Francisco at 27 and a quarter. What's standing out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I think what stands out to me is just the lack of high total games that we have on the slate. Like you said, there's five games with a total above 50, so that leaves eight games with a total under 50. And a lot of these matchups are just ugly. And I don't see a lot of uh, potential fantasy production out of some of these games. So I think this week is going to be a very concentrated week for cash games and for tournaments on specific teams such as, you know, the Bills, the Chiefs and the Eagles game, etc. I think we could see ownership concentrate a lot this week just on, you know, two or three teams. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I mean, you talked about wanting this to be a tournament winning week. Well, you know, these are the weeks to do it when ownership is so concentrated it it creates some really easy leverage spots and spots to get different definitely gonna get different in tournaments and i mean we've been talking about it over the last couple of weeks that's been the winning strategy actually is just being more contrarian than usual so i think i'm going to approach tournaments that way this week and hopefully we could bank something so i'll also say one other thing that stands out to me i mean i don't bet sides i don't bet lines anymore but the Bills are 15 and a half point favorites against Houston. I don't know if I've seen a line that big in, in quite some time. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen a team be 15 point dogs. That's a lot of points to give in the NFL, but the Texans are just god awful. So, you know, just stay away from that line. But the Bills should steamroll the Texans. They'll probably drop 40 plus in this spot. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all. And we'll we'll be talking about Bills players throughout this show. Let's get into some chalk 
Falcon, and we can start off at running back. I think the easiest play to make this week at running back is the most expensive, and that's Derrick Henry at 8,800. Yeah, Derrick Henry is just an absolute, you know, dog, right? He's going to get 25 to 30 touches every single week. He's been involved in the passing game to start the season. He's going up against the Jets, so the Titans should roll in this spot. It's just setting up to be a nut game script for a bunch of Derrick Henry. He kind of ran bad last week, not scoring a touchdown, and then, you know, three other bums scored a touchdown besides Henry, and he still scored 22 points. So he is clear-cut the number one best running back play on the board this week for DraftKings. Yeah, and I mean, with the injuries to AJ Brown, who's confirmed to be missing this game, Julio Jones is questionable at this point in the week, and it, it seems like he's trending towards not playing. I mean, Henry's involvement in the pass game should remain consistent. Yeah, I think we could see another good week out of Derrick Henry just in terms of passing work. Cause like you said, there's a bunch of injuries that the Titans have. Julio Jones isn't practicing. AJ Brown is probably going to be out. So honestly, Henry might be their best wide receiver. Um, th- this week's <laughs> it's either that or Chester yeah, Rogers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Derrick Henry is a great play this week and he should figure to be one of the highest owned running backs on the slate who else do you expect to be gaining quite a bit of an ownership yeah so i think we're just gonna see the same you know thing that we've seen over the last two weeks and that's gonna be chalk in the mid-range so you know, a couple guys that stand out to me right now and that I think will will pop in terms of ownership is uh, Chuba Hubbard at 5,900 with CMC confirmed out against the Cowboys in week four. I think Antonio Gibson will be kind of popular at 6,100 against the Falcons. And then I also think that David Montgomery might come with, you know, a little bit of ownership at home against the Lions and he's 5,800. So those are just three running backs that I think have the chance to be kind of chalky this week at the mid-range. You know, they all project for decent work and and decent upside in the passing game. So I expect a lot of people to go there this week. Yeah. And I, I like those plays and I think they're definitely solid for cash games. But just going back to what you were saying, you know, with ownership consolidating, like I think there's good reasons to get off of all those players in tournaments like none of the players you listed have team totals above 25 mm-hmm. and you can find that even lower in the price pool like if Elijah Mitchell plays this week he's going against Seattle who's been getting obliterated by running backs every single week Trey Sermon showed nothing he got out snapped by a fullback like Elijah Mitchell could dominate touches at 5400 I think he would gain traction and ownership and then we've got the Ram situation where Daryl Henderson I think would be popular at 5600 if he was ruled in we know that this Rams Arizona game profiles as a shootout, but if he's to miss, then you know Sony Michelle dominated snaps for the Rams last week, and he's fifty two hundred and could emerge as a very popular option as well. Yeah, I think some of those guys will have ownership for sure. Out of the three, I think Eli Mitchell would probably be the lowest on just because he's the same price as Ceh, who is projecting really well right now. He's only fifty four hundred too. You know, in a better game environment, on a better on a better offense. You know, higher implied team total. So I think people will go to Ceh again this week. I don't really know what his ownership is looking like right now it could be top three or he could be you know eight to ten percent but ch is definitely going to be a little bit popular and then the rams running backs are good plays as well in my opinion, I would play Daryl Henderson if he is there uh, and available. And then Sony Michelle at 5,200 would 
project for you know 18 to 20 touches at 5200 against the Cardinals so it, w- it would be kind of hard to fade him if D Hendo wasn't available for this game mm-hmm. do you think that people are going to chase the 19 targets that Najee Harris got last week yeah, I think Najee Harris will definitely be popular. He only got a $200 price increase from the second most targeted game ever for a running back. Uh, so 6800 for him, I think, is still too cheap for his role on that Steelers offense. And then if the wide receivers miss, Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster could be out for this game. I think Najee Harris would definitely be a popular option. So I think he will come with decent ownership. It's still early in the week. He might end up being chalk as the week goes on and as everybody else releases content and whatnot. But as it stands right now, I I think he's a pretty good play. Moving on to the quarterback position, do you think people are going to pay up to Josh Allen this week at 8K? I I think it's possible. Right now, Mahomes is projecting a little bit better than Josh Allen for $100 more. People will definitely pay up to either one of those two guys. The total in that Chiefs and Philly game is about seven and a half points higher than that Bills game. So I think that will swing the ownership in favor of Mahomes, but I would expect both to come with ownership this week. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to chase the five touchdown Josh Allen performance if the ownership is there, but it's kind of hard to get away from in this spot. I mean, Houston is literally dog water and there's no way that they are able to stop Allen in the Bills offense. Yeah, there's just obviously that that blowout risk where if the Bills mm-hmm. get up big early, they'll just kind of grind the clock down. But we've seen in the past where if teams are blowing out other teams, you know, their players are still most likely getting there. So I, I still think Josh Allen is a great play this week, even if he does come with decent ownership. But as it stands right now, I think Mahomes will be more owned than Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Getting away from the top tier, I mean, both of them are great plays. I think Jalen Hurts stands out quite a bit at 6,900 as well. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is going to be one of the most popular quarterback options on the board this week in a great game environment against Kansas City. You know, the pace should be up. The scoring should be up. His rushing floor is obviously one of the best in the NFL. And I I know he had a bad game against the Cowboys on national television and he was getting crucified on Twitter, you know, and rightfully so. He wasn't good. But this is still, you know, a top five, top six fantasy quarterback option on a weekly basis in one of the best games on the slate and his price is just way too cheap you know going up against a Kansas City defense that has given up the most yards per game to quarterbacks is one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL up to this point giving up 430 passing yards per game so this is a great spot for Jalen Hurts and I expect him to come with you know, a lot of ownership this week. I know that, you know, over the past few weeks, we've talked about how, you know, the field is sharper and I don't know, I don't know how well that's going to carry over to people's understanding of real life and fantasy being so different because as bad as Jalen Hurts was in that Monday night football game against Dallas, he still put up 25 fantasy points. Like if you're getting that at 6,900, you're not complaining at all. And we saw the Chiefs defense give up a hundred yards rushing to Lamar Jackson in week two. Like, I don't think they're going to be able to stop Hurts at home, you know, in a bounce back spot. This Chiefs defense is just horrible. So it's a very good spot for Jalen Hurts. And obviously there's always the possibility that the Eagles crater 
in this spot like they did against the Cowboys, but I don't think they will. I think this game is too good to not target this week, and, and Jalen Hurts looks to be one of the best plays on the board. Now, I don't think that they'll be necessarily stone chalk, but I think that there will be a lot of interest in both quarterbacks in the Dallas Carolina game. Dak Prescott is 6,700, and Sam Darnold is 6,000 even. I, I don't think, like you said, they're going to be stone chalk, but they will definitely come with some ownership in that. And I think they're good plays. It's just from Dallas. I think they're just taking a matchup based approach against their teams up to this point. We saw Dak come out and throw 58 times against a tough Tampa Bay run defense. And then they've kind of trended towards being a more run heavy team the last two weeks. But the Panthers have been the best run defense in the NFL up to this point, giving up the least amount of DraftKings points to opposing running backs on a per game basis. And they're only giving up 45 rushing yards per game in their first three weeks. So we could see Dallas trend towards a more pass heavy approach in this spot if, you know, the Panthers defense stymies the run early. And then Sam Darnold, I think is fine. You know, the Dallas defense has actually looked pretty solid. I, w- I would say this year, but I want to be too scared about the Cowboys defense in this spot. I would rather just pay the 700 or the 900 to get up to Dak or Hertz from Sam Darnold. And I don't think the the pricing is that tight where you need to save salary at quarterback. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you brought it up, but like the fact that Dallas is combined for less attempts in weeks two and three than they did in the opener is at least concerning, I think. You know, it gives Dak a much lower floor if the possibility of it being a Zeke Pollard game is there every single week, depending on matchup, even if it doesn't appear like that would be the case this week against Carolina for all the reasons you mentioned. Yeah, so. Wide receiver. Where do you think the field is going this week? I mean, Cooper Cup, right? Hmm. Like, unfadeable. Yeah, I think Cooper Cup is, is unfadable until further notice. It's another great matchup for him. He has a 35% target share. Stafford looks locked in. The whole Rams team looks locked in. They have a 29 and a half team total. Uh, I don't, I don't think it gets much easier than just, you know, starting your lineups with uh, locking Cooper Cup in. It's just always hard to, you know, like play him above Devontae Adams or, or Tyreek Hill, but Cooper Cup is the wide receiver one on the season so far. And I, I don't think anything will change this week it's it's a it's a fantastic spot for cup yeah i mean two hundred dollars to get up to tyree kill from cooper cup like everything in my body is just screaming to go up but god he, he's so good he's so locked in right now like you said number one wide receiver in fantasy through three weeks some other plays that i think are going to be pretty popular dj moore is projecting really well at 6600 darnold's been locked onto him he's had no less than eight targets through three weeks he's got 23 over the last two and like you said dallas has been really susceptible to the pass game yeah i think dj moore is a stone lock this week the cowboys have given up the fifth most amount of fantasy points to wide receivers to start the season like you said darnold is locked on to dj moore and his price is just too cheap in my opinion at 6600 you know for a guy that has seen 8 11 and 12 targets on the season so 31 targets about 10 targets per game just too cheap he's going to be stone chalk but i think he is a stone lock as well so i'm definitely eating the chalk Mm. with dj Moore. where else do you see the field going this week i think it's pretty open-ended right now i think injuries are going to shift ownership quite a bit this week as, as the week develops and we'll talk about that more on the saturday stream when we have 
have more information, but there's a lot of places I could see people going. You know, Odell Beckham stands out after coming out and showing well. Gets a weak Minnesota secondary. He's sub 6K. We've got Corey Davis with Elijah Moore set to miss. A little revenge game going against Tennessee. Another terrible secondary. Jalen Waddell coming off of a 13 target, 24.5% target share game with Will Fuller missing practice early in the week. Like, there's a lot of places I could see people going this week. I think it's pretty open in terms of who's going to be chalk at this point in time. Some of the guys that you mentioned are interesting, like Corey Davis, I, I think could come with some decent ownership against the Titans. He's only 5K. I think Cortland Sutton is projecting really well right now after the Broncos lost KJ Hamler this week. So they really only have Sutton, Patrick, and Noah Fant in the passing game. And the Baltimore Ravens have gotten, you know, dusted through the air to start the season. So I think he's projecting really well. And then, and just at the cheap end, you have the Titans wide receivers. Like you mentioned, you know, with the injuries, this is definitely going to be something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. But AJ Brown is probably going to miss this game and Julio Jones missed practice today. So that would open the door for Chester Rogers at 3,300 and Nick Westbrook Akine at 3,200 to be the starting wide receivers for the Titans uh, and would be great salary savers. So I think some of those guys will be popular if the injuries play out in their favor. But other than that, it's going to be the top guys and going to be some of these guys in the mid range that will pop in in terms of ownership yeah that sounds about right i mean i'm I'm gonna be honest like if brown and julio miss derrick henry's the only titan i'm playing i'm not playing any of those scrubs at the bottom (laughs) i mean that's probably a good strategy but you know they're still gonna have to pass the ball and if those guys get like five to six targets each i i think they'd be fine cash plays if you need the salary but in my opinion Mm -hmm. you don't really need to save salary if you pay down at at tight end and defense, which we'll get to. Speaking of, I mean, at tight end, you mentioned it. I think Noah Fant is the clear-cut standout play of the week at 4,300. Yeah, Noah Fant, I think, will be the highest on tight end this week. Good spot for him against the Ravens. I just mentioned it with Sutton, but the Broncos have had a lot of injuries to their pass catchers, so I think his target projection will be really good for 4,300, and he should be a little chalky. And then, obviously, some of the top guys like George Kittle is only 5,900 against Seattle, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So I don't mind Kittle if you want to pay up, but I think you just need to save salary somewhere, and that's probably at tight end. This could be the first punt tight end week. We just have a couple options at the bottom of the tight end pool that I think are interesting. You have Gerald Everett at 3,200, Pat Fryermuth at 3,100, Cole Komet at 3K, Evan Ingram, who I think is the best of the bunch at 3K if Sterling Shepard and Godia Smith, Jack Doyle at 2,700, who's seen a decent amount of targets so far to start the season. I, I think there's a lot of tight ends in play. And if you need to save salary, this is the spot where you save salary just because, you know, the tight end position is horrible. Yeah, absolutely. And and let's just transition right now to tournament strategy. And just speaking on that point, I think that this is absolutely the week where we punted off at tight end. You know, we haven't had that week yet this season. In fact, we've been paying up a little bit more than usual, but we know that it's a winning strategy. You know that, you know, when you're talking about guys like Evan Ingram at 3K, you know, Jack Doyle 2.7, and even lower than that, I like Albert O as a pivot off of Noah Fant. 
for all the reasons that we've already talked about with the target share condensing there. Albert O's like an athletic monster and he's 2600, could definitely find his way into the end zone. The Panthers just traded Dan Arnold, which leaves Tommy Tremble at, at the min price and Dallas has been getting obliterated by tight ends all year. I mean, I think that this is absolutely, especially in tournaments, the week to just fully punt it off and use that salary elsewhere. Yeah, I definitely agree. And you don't got to tell me twice to punt tight end because <laughs> I'm probably going to punt tight end in cash, honestly. Like, I, I love Fant. Yeah. But if you're, if you want to play Henry and you want to play Camara, um, you're going to need to save salary. And I think tight end is the place to do it. This is a punt tight end week in cash and in tournament. So you don't, you don't got to tell me twice about punting tight end. Uh, this is, this is our kind of yeah. week. 100%. Just make sure uh, if you're listening, you tune into our Saturday uh, live stream because we'll, we'll probably have our favorite punt tight end by then. Absolutely. You know, take it in any direction you want. Leverage, stacks, long shots. Where are we at in tournaments this week? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned at the top, ownership is probably going to condense on, you know, a couple stacks this week. But I, I, I still think you need to stack these top quarterbacks and their receiving options just because... You know, they could separate from the field easier than some of these guys at the bottom of the pool. So I'm definitely not going to play a quarterback like under 6K. All of those guys are out of the question, especially on, you know, a low totaled week like this. So I guess it just depends where ownership lands. But I think a Russ Wilson stack is one of my favorite stacks on the board going up against a Niner secondary that just does not have the talent to compete at the NFL level right now. It's just that simple. They've had a bunch of injuries. This is a phenomenal matchup for Russ. And if the Seahawks get out to a lead in this spot, I, I think we could see Russ snapping. Just my only concern is just the pace of this game. It could be a slower pace game, especially with San Fran just trying to run the ball every single play. But I love a rust stack. I, I I think that's my favorite stack on the board this week. Yeah, I like that too. I mean, man, I don't know. I'm, I might burn with this, but the Sam Darnold double is super appealing to me. I mean, DJ Moore is going to be massive chalk and th- you could count this as a leverage play too. I know Robbie Anderson has been very uninspiring this year. He only has five receptions on the year. And to me, it just doesn't make sense. Like Anderson has a connection with Darnold. Last year, him and DJ Moore were 1A, 1B for long stretches of the season. Robbie Anderson was the more productive receiver. You're getting a $1,500 discount to go to him. He's going to have virtually no ownership because people just haven't seen it. And the recency bias is going to be there. I love Robbie Anderson as as a pair for the double stack with Darnold and more. And even lower than that, for 4K, you can get Terrace Marshall exposure, who's been involved in the offense. He just hasn't really popped off yet. But I mean, we know the talent's there. The touchdown upside is there. And if you want to save salary with that, I mean, I, I just want to have exposure to as many Darnold double stacks as I can. And the bringbacks are super clear with Cooper under priced at 6k and cd lamb is in a weird pricing spot at 67 where he's just going to go under owned because people would rather play dj Moore, debo samuel calvin ridley in that range yeah i i like the darnold stack and i think robbie anderson is probably one of the best leverage plays on the board um leverage off of dj Moore chalk leverage off of chuba hubbard chalk potentially mm-hmm. and his target projection should increase without christian mccaffrey you know taking 10 catches away from the wide receivers you know i don't, I don't expect chuba to be that much of a factor in the passing game so this could be easily be a Robbie Anderson game. I mean, we've 
seen him have ceiling games before so i definitely like robbie anderson at 5100 for tournaments yeah he he profiles as both a piece of my favorite stack and as a leverage play what are you thinking for leverage this week leverage i mean i I think you could go back to the well again in tournaments with robert woods who's 5300 you know leverage Mm -hmm. off of cup obviously he's just been burning fantasy managers and you know people played him in the first three weeks he got a price decrease to 5300 it's a great game environment and you know he's still he's still out there he's still running routes he's still the wide receiver too in that rams offense he's still getting targets and touches just hasn't worked out for him but i I would definitely go back to woods again at at 5300 and there's a lot of bringbacks as well that i think could go under owned in this spot if you just want to game stack this game I, i think this is probably one of if not the best game to stack this week just because people might be scared of you know the Rams passing defense but Kyler Murray I think is too good to fade so I think he's one of my favorite tournament quarterback plays on the board and then you know obviously DeAndre Hopkins 7700 and then they have a lot of cheap bringbacks and Christian Kirk 53 Rondale Moore is 46 and AJ Green if you want to go there is 4500 so this is one of my favorite games to stack for tournaments and you know there's some leverage pieces in this game and a lot of these guys are going to be uh low owned so this this would be my number one game to target if you're you know playing large field tournaments yeah I agree wholeheartedly and I I was gonna say sort of the same thing about Robert Woods like the past two weeks we've wanted it to be a good leverage play but people were sharp enough to be on that so you know you didn't really get the ownership discount that we were looking for but now the price is appropriate and I think that people are just sick enough now of getting burned by the Robert Woods play that they won't go back to it for a third straight week and (laughs) clear as day that's the time to get back on it yeah yeah, 100%. How about long shots? Which What you got for me this week? So one of my favorite long shots of the week is Brandon Ayuk at 5,000. Mm. It's a solid salary saver. Like I mentioned, the Seahawks side of the ball is one of my favorite stacks. The Seahawks passing defense is the worst in the NFL up to this point. They've given up 440 yards per game. So this is a great spot for the Niners wide receivers. Debo Samuel might come with some ownership. And Ayuk, I don't think, is going to be like a 1% or 2% play. But at 5K, I think he's going to come in at 5%, 6% this week. And he's a solid bring back for, you know, Russ Metcalf or Russ Lockett stack. So Ayuk would be my favorite longer shot play at wide receiver this week. Yeah, I like that a lot. And Debo's certainly going to have popularity. And I think Mitchell will too, especially if he starts practicing, you know, fully by Thursday or Friday. So yeah, that's that's a super solid play. I already mentioned Jalen Waddle, who I like a lot this week. I don't know how popular he'll be, but like I said, Will Fuller's missing practice. Brissett has surprisingly thrown 40 or more times in back-to-back weeks. I think that's a function of the Dolphins' defense being absolutely horrendous and them having to, but Waddle's been dominant with a nearly 25% target share. I think that continues, and you you can bring it back with my absolute favorite long shot of the week, which is Jonathan Taylor, who is running incredibly poorly, and this is the spot I think where he bounces back. He's fifth in the NFL in red zone rush attempts. He's the only player in the top seven who has yet to actually convert on one of those attempts. Miami so far has given up the second most rushing yards to opposing backs, the second most fantasy points through three weeks. They're one of only nine teams that are giving up a full touchdown or more on average in every single game. And Jonathan Taylor just is is in a price range where people are not going to go there. They're, they would rather play everybody that we mentioned during the chalk segment, Gibson, Hubbard, Montgomery. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to go completely underlooked. And I think he's in a phenomenal spot this week. 
Yeah, he's in uh, one of the best spots on the board. The Dolphins have given up the second most fantasy points per game to running backs on DraftKings so far to start the season. You know, they've given up 120 rushing yards to running backs and over a touchdown allowed. So this is a great spot for Jonathan Taylor. And he's going to be very, very low owned, you know, like you said, in that range with other guys that figure to have more ownership than him. And I I think my running back long shot that I like is the guy right above him is in Miles Sanders. Nick Sirianni came out today and said, you know, that's on me. Like we got, we got to get Sanders more involved. He only had two rushing attempts against Dallas and the Chiefs just look to be horrible on defense and in all facets. You know, they have one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. They have the second worst rush defense in terms of yards allowed in the NFL so far. They've given up the fourth most fantasy points per game on DraftKings to running backs. And Miles Sanders is kind of in that same category where, you know, he's in that price range, 6,400. Everybody else around him is going to be chalk and nobody's going to play him. So I think this is a Miles Sanders week and we know that he has upside in the receiving game as well too. So book it, Miles Sanders, Millie Maker winner. I like that conceptually. I mean, I'm glad that we have those comments from Nick Sirianni because I don't know if you caught this, but Pro Football Reference noted that the Eagles ran just three plays for running backs in that game against Dallas, and that's the fewest carries by team running backs in any game in their entire database, which goes back to like the 60s. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely a concern for sure that you know they they haven't ran the ball a lot or at all, but. I, I think he factors into the passing game, so you get some upside there. And and if he gets more work on the ground in this spot, I, I think Miles Sanders could uh, hit his ceiling with you know 13, 15 touches. Obviously, it's pretty thin, mm-hmm. but you know you're just playing him as leverage off of those other running backs, and he's in one of the best game environments on the slate. So absolutely. All right, let's close out the show, Joey. Best bets. Shout out to us for the clean sweep last week. Four for four. Let's keep it rolling. I think for this week, I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield over his passing yards attempt on prize picks. 254 and a half right now, I think, going up against the Vikings, who have been playing well, that they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. It should be a closer game, and the Vikings passing defense is not great. You know, one of the worst in the NFL, so... I like Baker Mayfield's prop quite a bit over there on prize picks. And then I also like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's prop. I know it's kind of disgusting, but, you know, if I'm high on the Seahawks this week and and I think they'll come out and put up points on the Niners, the Niners are going to have to throw the ball, right? And Jimmy Garoppolo's prop is 245.5 right now. I think he can easily throw for 250 plus yards against this league worst Seahawks passing defense in a game that has a 52 total that should be back and forth. So those are my two favorite props this week, two overs on the quarterback passing yards. You know, let, let's sail to the money. I like it. We, we only bet overs over here. <laughs> And I, and I myself bet a two leg this morning and sort of correlated with your Mayfield bet. I, I've got Odell at over 60 and a half receiving yards. Landry's still going to be out this game. Minnesota secondary is not equipped to really handle anybody. And I think Odell's back. Like he's back. He's going to wash this team. And, you know, 60 and a half is just not a big number if there's any type of offensive back and forth in this game. And then secondly, just doubling down on what I said in, in the tournament segment, Jonathan Taylor over 63 and a half rushing yards is 
a clear-cut smash. <laughs> I, I think both of those bets are very good bets. And is, o- is Odell actually back, though? That's that's kind of the only question that I have. I don't, I don't know if he's actually back. He only had, what, like 70 yards last week? Yeah, he did. He did. But he's going to have over 60 and a half this week, and that's what matters. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. That's going to be it for episode 166 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrying DFS. For more week four NFL DFS content, you can check us out on YouTube at the DFS Dose. We post multiple videos per week. We'll be live this Saturday evening to revisit the slate and give our updated thoughts and opinions as the week develops. If you're listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Till next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Vibes.